The Rangers are headed to the playoffs for a second straight season as they clinched Monday without even having to play. But where will they finish and who will they play? Well, Molly, we might have a preview of that potential first round matchup Thursday in New Jersey. Rangers Devils, your current home, New York versus your true home, New Jersey. What do you say about that? It's going to be a fun one. Um, I think everybody should be really excited for it. I know the players are. But at this point, it's coming down to the principle of home ice, I feel, because, you know, I've seen a lot of discourse on Twitter that it doesn't really matter who gets home ice. You know, Newark is just a 35 minute bus ride down the turnpike for the Rangers. So everybody will be sleeping in their own beds anyway. But Keandre Miller told me today he thinks it's about principle. The Rangers obviously really enjoyed playing game seven. Um, of the first round at MSG. And I think that Turk has also talked about how home ice advantage in game seven means everything. So I think that that's what the Rangers are gunning for right now. And they have a, a prime opportunity to set themselves up for that on Thursday. Game seven at the Garden. It hits different than game seven at Prudential Center. I'm sorry to you, Jersey folks. It's just a different vibe. Well, with Rangers Devils on the mind, Devils lead reporter Amanda Stein is going to join us. And of course, our Hall of Famer, Larry Brooks, as well. We're almost at the finish line of the regular season. It's a Rangers playoff clinched edition of Up in the Blue Seats from the New York Post. And it's coming up next. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we ask that you center ice for a special presentation welcome back to up in the blue seats our rangers podcast from the new york post jake brown here with rangers b writer for the post molly walker larry brooks our hall of famer is also with us and later in the program we will chat with devil's lead reporter amanda stein as we get ready for the huge matchup thursday night at Prudential Center. The Rangers have clinched a playoff spot back-to-back years, and we're here to talk about it. And, Larry, let's get right into the nitty-gritty. This is a crucial matchup in Prudential Center between two teams and now three that can make the playoffs. Uh, It's only happened, what, three times ever that all three uh, Metropolitan local teams have made it. Just how big is this matchup Thursday? You know, ticket prices are pretty high considering it's in uh, New Jersey. We're used to that at the Garden, but... How big is this matchup Thursday for home ice? Well, it's it's critical for home ice. It's it's not a make or break for either team, though. And I, and I think, you know, we need to keep this in, in perspective that um, home ice is not dispositive. I think that um, both teams would like home ice. 
I think both teams, uh, you know, they have a matchup edge on home ice, although I don't think, you know, the Rangers aren't much of a matchup team. Um, but I like, you know, they'd like to have games one and seven at the Garden if they can. So uh, tomorrow night's an important game for them. But it's but it's not a make or break night. You, you know, you're not going to, you, you know, you're not going to extend your players to play 26 minutes so they can win this game um, at the expense. They have a game coming up on uh, Friday night in Buffalo and then Sunday afternoon in, in Washington. So, yeah, it's an important regular season game. I remember going back to 07, 08. The, when uh, uh, the Rangers and Devils played on the final game of the season. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that was for home ice in the first round. They were playing in the first round. And the Devils beat the Rangers in the final game of the season. And the Rangers won all three games <laughs> at the Rock in, in, in a five-game first round. So, you know, I, I think I think the Rangers are comfortable playing in Newark. The, the Devils have been comfortable playing at the Garden for a while, even when they were out of the playoffs, but it should be a really entertaining game. And I think, you know, I, I think that's the focus really is, is how entertaining this game should be tomorrow night. Going to the, um, the ice time, I guess Turk was talking about that today, that he's comfortable with how he's been deploying his forwards and, and, and divvying up the ice time. And it sounds like he's pretty amenable to the whole concept of load management and, and workload management at this time of year. I remember last season, I think it was with, three or four games left in the regular season. We saw them sit a couple of the regular guys a little bit. It was the next to last game of the season. And uh, they sat out, uh, well, Zibanejad and Kreider, the only game they missed all year, right? And Truba too, sat out a game, and I'm pretty sure he played 81. I think the only guy they allowed to play was Keandre Miller. And he, you know, he played all 82. But they did they did that on, on the next to... Uh, next to the last game of the regular season this year obviously they can't sit anybody because they have no extra players they're healthy players so they're not going to sit anybody but you know they're they are they are rotating their four lines and i and i think again I'm, they're doing it i think not to overburden players but they're doing it because now they have a substantial four line rotation and you know when when we talk about adding kane and tarasenko obviously it bolstered the top six but it bolstered the, the fourth line. I mean, you know, they they put Jimmy VC and Barkley Goodrow, who had been playing up in the top six or top nine essentially all year, back on the fourth line. And so now they have a formidable fourth line with those two and, and Tyler Mott. So it's it's really changed the equation. You know, in you know, the, the acquisitions of Kane and Tarasenko changed the equation in in more ways than one, because now they have four lines who the who the coach trusts. And um, so when you have a fourth line that's getting, you know, whatever, 11, 12 minutes a night at even strength, that immediately brings the top down. You know, they're not they're not in the 20s anymore. They're not in the 19s. They're maybe playing 16 at five on five. And and that's certainly the way you want to go into the playoffs. You, you don't want you, you know, you, you don't want uh, to burn out your your top guys. And um, I thought they the fourth line played too little the first half of the season, but now it's now, now they've now they've got it rolling. Do you think there is reasonable cause for concern though of how fresh this Rangers team is considering they can't do that since they uh don't have any extras to throw in there because they haven't put Lingren on LTIR and the fact that they had that stretch during the whole Patrick Kane fiasco that they were playing shorthanded uh so many times and and people like Adam Fox were 
skating 28, 29 minutes a night for like four games straight. Yeah, I think I think there was a residual effect of that, but I think it's passed. I, th- I think we saw that maybe two weeks ago. I think I think they've gotten past that. Hockey is and and for better or worse, hockey is not a load management sport. You, you're not going to have guys say, "I want to sit tomorrow," or "I don't want to play in this game," or you're not going to you know you're not going to strategize with the front office. Um, well, when are we going to sit out Zabanajad because? We only want him to play nine of the final 12 games. That's just not happening in hockey. Maybe, you know, in the next two, three, four, five years, so someone will be able to prove that that's beneficial. But until then, it, it's just, you know, it, it's it's ingrained in players. We, we want to play 82 games. You know, it's an 82-game schedule. We want to play 82. So I don't I don't know. I, I think um, I think if, if, if a forward comes up with a, a nagging issue, then it might be, you know, then it then it becomes uh, something that management's going to have to deal with, as as I understand it. If if a forward um, were to go down right now, they'd have to play a game short before they could get into the emergency situation, um, which is not beneficial for anybody at this point. So um, I think they're I think they're going to be careful with how they deploy their players, even even to the point where you know we were just talking with I was just talking with Jake about the importance of of this game in New Jersey on Thursday. And it's an important game, but they wouldn't extend a player in order to win that game when, when you still have the entire season ahead. And that's what it is. The entire season's ahead of them. So let's let's get into Ryan Lindgren. There's a couple different layers here where we can start, but I think the number one thing and the number one question that a lot of fans are wondering, and you and I have been wondering, is why the Rangers haven't put Lindgren on LTIR. We can't really figure out why, but if you had to hypothesize why, um, what would you say? And, and I guess, does Lindgren need to play a couple games before the playoffs start, or would it be in the Rangers' best interest to just leave him alone and, until the real games start? Well, if he's healthy, he you know if he's healthy, there's no reason for him not to play. If it's questionable, there's no reason for him to play. Um, I'm not sure. I, I look. I kind of get. I, I listen. I do understand why they didn't put him on LTI right away, and I and and even in the week or two after, because it's clear that they they thought that the injury was going that the rehab was going to take maybe two weeks. And I, I think they expected him to be back for the trip where they played in Montreal, uh, Buffalo, and Pittsburgh. That's the way it tracked. That's the way it seemed to track. That's when he started skating in pairs um, at practice, and he was he was in a game day skate on the road, right, and uh, uh, skating with Fox, and or or the day before. Um, so obviously, you know, there was a miscalculation. Uh, you know that that's fine. I mean, you know, it, you know, shoulder is a shoulder, and uh, if you think it may take two weeks and it takes a little longer, that's that's just it. Plus, there was the there was the confusion with the league on what the league was going to allow them to do, and what benefits there were the league was going to allow the Rangers to. Um, participate in if, if Lindgren went on LTI. It's it's still not been explained. Um, but I, th- I think that was hanging over. I'm not sure now. I'm, I, so, you know, I'm, I'm past that. But after he came back and and tweaked the injury in, in the one game he played, now I'm not sure why they didn't put him on LTI. I'm, I'm, I'm just don't get that. Um, I'm, I must be missing something. Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, I just don't understand it. It doesn't 
doesn't mean there's there's malfeasance or misfeasance going on. It's just I don't quite get it. I I don't. I mean, I think it would be advantageous to have a couple of guys up. I think it would be. I, I understand Hartford's in a playoff race, but you know, I think it would be beneficial, say, to have Will Cooley up skating with the team. The, you know, the last couple of weeks of the season to have an extra if, if you need one, maybe to have, uh, you know, Libor Hayek or Zach Jones up or, or Matt Robertson just up and skating because you know that in the long run, a long playoff run, inevitably there are going to be injuries. And so why not, you know, be able to acclimate a player in? So I, I don't know, but it, you know, it's not as if these are thoughts that are exclusive to me or, or to you you know it's like i mean i'm sure chris jury is dealing you know is dealing with this every minute every day and there's a reason it's it's um we just don't know what it is I, we've talked about having a little bit of an inkling that maybe the rangers with their whole cap situation and with what we saw how the league intervened during the whole patrick kane thing denying their emergency recall because they felt like they put them in, they put themselves in the short, in the man short situation. I almost feel like behind closed doors, the Rangers aren't even sure if putting Lingren on LTIR would be the most beneficial thing. Um, so I feel like that's that's a that, that's a layer that not a lot of people might um, be aware yeah, about. I, I I don't think that Lingren needs to play before the playoffs. I think if he's ready. Then yes, it probably would probably be somewhat helpful for him to get it, you know, a game or two the final week. But I don't think he needs it. I, I think you know if he's out the rest of the regular season, I don't think it would detract from his performance in game one. And we know that Lindgren wasn't a hundred percent during the Rangers playoff run last season. He was he was playing on a on a bummed ankle, I believe it was. Uh, so. I think that's definitely something the Rangers are probably taking into consideration as they maneuver this situation, because obviously a Ryan Lindgren at 100 percent is a lot better than a Ryan Lindgren at 50 percent. Larry, how special is this for you that all three local teams will be in the playoffs? You're a guy who used to cover the Devils. You know, you did that full time, right? And you've covered the Islanders a bit and obviously the Rangers. It never happens. So what does this mean to you as a guy who's covered all three? Oh, it's great. It, you know, it's it's great for hockey in, in the area. It, you know, it's it's a cliche, but it's true. Um, the dream scenario is for and, and listen, I, I apologize to Amanda Stein and I apologize to all my friends uh, over in New Jersey and all my friends on the island, you know, the, the one or two of them. Uh, but the dream scenario is for the Rangers and Devils to play in round one, the Rangers to win that series the Islanders then to win their first round series against hypothetically Carolina and then the Rangers and Islanders play in the second round. And so you would have, you know, a month of Rangers, Devils, Rangers, Islanders, and, you know, and then you would have a New York team in the conference finals. So, you know, I, I think that would generate an, an immense amount of interest that, you know, the Rangers and Devils are supremely talented teams with headline acts the, the Islanders are a different kind of an animal. Um, they're, they're a playoff uh, home team, and they play playoff style um, all year. I think to the detriment, the first 50 or 60 games, obviously to their benefit when it, when it gets down to the, the crunch. But um, it, it would just be a, it, it would be a, a notable hockey spring if um, all three teams are in and if there could possibly be two rounds of New York New Jersey, New York, New York, you know, we go from the Battle of the Hudson 
to the Battle of New York. It would it would just be a a, a dream scenario. It'd be great for both of you too. Let, let a little travel. You know, we need a carpool karaoke series between Molly and Larry. Uh, it would have to be in the works. We'd love to see that. Larry Brooks on Twitter, NYP underscore Brooksy. Read his stories in the post at nypost.com. Enjoy the game in Jersey, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Larry. Thanks. See you. Build on our game and, and, and build towards that now. Now it's finally, we can say that we're looking forward to the playoffs. So. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we're back up in the Blue Seats podcast. Jake Brown, Molly Walker here with a rare Devils guest. Now, we've had Ken Danico on the show, of course, but now we bring on Devils lead reporter, NJD.TV. This should be sponsored by Ben's Deli. we got three Jewish people on one podcast. I feel like I need a side of pastrami with me right now. Let's welcome in Amanda Stein. Amanda, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm fine. I'm no Ken Danico, but I'm fine. So thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You're a close second here. Jake, you, f- you forgot the most important identifier for Amanda Stein is the best handwriting in the league. Number one. I mean, wh- when did you realize you, you had a talent for that and then people absolutely loved it? It's really funny because so... I went to an all-girls school my entire life. Um, back, I'm from Montreal, back in Canada. And it was just like something that we did. Like we just like, we had like handwriting competitions, but I never thought mine was like anything other than like normal. Um, and then really where it started for me, I covered the Montreal Canadiens for seven years before I came to New Jersey. And I just realized like we were sitting at morning skate and like everyone was like so fast to tweet out the lines. And this is like really when Twitter was like really starting to take off. It was like, boom, boom, boom. Everybody had the exact same tweet over and over again. And so I was like, especially in a market like Montreal, I'm like, well, how am I supposed to like stand out? Like how am I compete with these people who have been on this beat for, you know, 40, 50 years? Like, right. So I just, I was like, I'll give this a try. And so I wrote it out and I kind of like framed it nice with the hockey in the background. And I swear to you, it has taken on a life of its own that I like, I never, like, I didn't even think about it. Um, but now I like feel immense pressure, <laughs> like I feel immense pressure to deliver. I absolutely love it. It's the most aesthetically pleasing thing I think the NHL has to offer. So a whole lot of it too. Yeah. I know, I know. I, well, we'll get right into it. I mean, all right, I'm going to ask you to turn back time for a second. Training camp. What was the vibe in the Devils locker room? What quotes stick out to you now just before this unbelievable season that they had? Uh, I mean, I I think the vibe that I really felt from day one was 
they were sick and tired of being after 82 games, not accomplishing anything that they really set out to do other than maybe individual stats and knowing that they were better than what their record was, whatever that really means, right? You are your record. But that to me really stood out, the like anger in a sense, like a positive anger. They're like, we don't want to go through this again. And I remember like Nico, Nico Heischer, the captain, like when he first came out on during training camp and he's like, we are a good team. Our time is now. And like, we're doing it. Those don't like that was the that quote but like that was the, the message that he gave and really from day one um actually that's not true because the first two games were pretty disastrous two two yeah. games yeah the first two games were incredibly disastrous and very scary I think like around the room and the vibe of oh my god like not again not, yeah exactly like is this happening again and Game three, they win. And then from then on, it, you know, especially their road record, just everything sort of turned out as it should. But certainly it was a sick and tired feeling, knowing they were more talented than what they had produced. And they were ready to prove it. And like, not to anyone else but themselves. Like, I really, really fundamentally feel that it was about proving it to themselves that they could do it. And then the rest sort of follows. Yeah, 100%. I, I I mean, I think I think everybody watching that team could kind of feel almost that that pissed off approach that they had to the game because they were I, I was there every day. Trust me. You, you mentioned something about like a quote and one quote that really sticks out to me was after the second game that they lost. I was talking to Miles Wood and one of the things he basically says is I am tired of being on bad teams. So, and he's the second longest tenure devil currently on the roster behind David Severson. I think this is his seventh year, eighth year, something like that. Um, so he's been through the ringer with this team uh, in terms of rebuilding, in terms of going through the really dry days. And so that was that was a quote that really struck. And I, I think he almost felt that, well, he did. He apologized. He apologized, yeah. He, did. he apologized for saying it. And what I would say is that I actually didn't think he had to apologize. No, not at all. I think it's what a lot of people were feeling, but I think mostly because it ended up taking off and probably a little out of context that, you know, he felt he needed to say something. And I, I totally respect him for that, but I understood what he was trying to say because it's what everyone was feeling after those first two games. It's like, Oh my God, are, are we going to do this again? And turned it around after that and here we are <laughs> yeah you need you need that raw and real kind of perspective especially you know from our points of view in terms of creating content that but that you know that's accurate like you know a quote like that you can feel it in your bones like how much he meant it I do remember that whole thing going down and him having to apologize and being like, I felt bad I felt that he had to apologize and I talked to him after and you know I mean it's not like I, it wasn't anything I did but just to let him know that like also like I work internally with the team right so I meet them all the time and I was like you know Miles like what you said I think most people understood what you were trying to say 100% I mean everybody's always talking about we need more personality in the NHL like that's that's personality right there you know that like he meant it when he said it 
Um, how do you feel like the team has handled the success and the spotlight? Because I know the Rangers are, are, are a different kind of team because, you know, it's New York, it's Manhattan, it's a different kind of spotlight. Um, and the Devils have just kind of always been a little bit of a little brother in that sense. Um, but in terms of all the attention that they got this season after that fast start, how did you see, especially guys like Jack Hughes, um, handle that kind of spotlight? interesting because there will always be that that vibe right when you're in this market there's so many professional sports teams but I think what's the beautiful thing is that they've put themselves on the map in a different way where they are part of the higher echelon discussion and it's funny because a lot of our guys have been individual stars in their own right so you you talk about someone like Jack Hughes and handling it he's handled it since he was 12 years old right so you're just handling it in a different context of being with the team, which is probably easier, right? You can deflect other people. Nico Heischer is just like the most relaxed, chilled guy. I'm so damn focused. like all, And it's not like a facade, right? You know how sometimes you think like, are they putting on an act? It's not. Like he's just totally concentrated on doing the best he can. Um, and I think it's been exciting for the group to – really, you know, see other people take notice of what they're doing here, because you're right, they do tend, they have in the past lived in certain shadows, um, but now they have the star talent, the true star talent, that when you're going into other arenas, people are, you know, saying like, I want to go see Jack Hughes play. Um, and that's, that's a great thing for this team, because they're really coming into their own. And on top of that, they're coming into their own as stars together. So they've been through the highs. They've been through the lows together. And being in the locker room a lot and just being around them a lot, what's so interesting to me is how they really do feel like they are all very good friends um, because they're all around that same age and going through the same thing. So it's it's awesome to see you know I'm just like I'm happy for them because I think they deserve it and they've played second fiddle for a long time and you know going on a 13 16 game heater as Jack said you know uh, it's gonna it's gonna make people take notice and I think where you see that the most is the coverage that we get in Canada. That's when you really know. That oh yeah. Once the Canadians step in and they pick up on it. I mean, that's it. Real. That's when you know you're really on the map and you made it. <laughs> exactly. And for me, I couldn't be more proud of this group. You know, I've been with Nico Heischer since day one. His first year was my first year with the franchise. So I've seen these young kids, which they're kids, um, come into this league and go through some really hard times and embrace what's going on right now, but like with this like crazy focus that I don't think I'd ever be able to have. Like, I'd be like, this is amazing. You know, like, this is amazing. Like we're awesome. But like, as much as I try and get them to say those things, just, yeah. And it's not fake. It's not like being a calculated athlete. I really truly believe that a lot of these guys, that's just how they're, how they are to get the job done. I love it. I feel like for the Rangers last season, the conversation going into the playoffs was always centered around lack of experience. Do you feel like the Devils have, have run into that? And and what's their attitude toward that notion? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, particularly in the last, like, especially when a team is doing bad, it's easy to say like, oh, lack of experience. But what's what I've always said to people in interviews that I find so unique about this group is 
they're so young, but they don't lack experience in a way, right? Like they, a lot of these kids have come into this team from the time they were teenagers, whether it's Dawson or Nico or uh, Jack, I mean, the list goes on, right? So they have a lot of experience for their young age, but I think that there's also another level that you have to learn when you're in this league um, to win at the next level. And that's why you bring in players like an Andre Palat an Eric Halla, who, you know, reminded me the other day, he's never missed the playoffs in his entire career, which is just outstanding. That's crazy. That's yeah, awesome. It's insane. it's insane. But, you know, he, like that is also really important because he's never won either. And so that type of drive and that sort of type of message be like, Hey guys, like, I've been in the playoffs every year of my 10 or whatever it is year career. And I haven't won anything yet. Like we have to drill down and be focused. So I think they're really young. They're inexperienced in some ways, but really they have been through a lot. Now the big test is coming up after these final eight games, right? When you do enter the postseason, it is a different beast. And I think we're starting to see that in the last couple of games, um, just the way a lot of these desperate teams for points have been playing them. So it's a good lesson early on, but I think what you do is you build up your young core like Tom Fitzgerald has, and then you bring in the little pieces, whether it's, you know, Andre Pallad is the big piece there, right? He's the only Stanley Cup winner in the room. And so they have a different type of experience, but there is that lack of playoff experience. And that's why you bring in guys who have been there and done that. There was a comment that Mike Rupp made. I think it was when we had, oh, I know he's the best. When we had him um, on this podcast recently, and we were talking about the topic of, you know, playoff experience and that kind of stuff. And he said something to the effect of like, Jack Hughes is not going to back down just because the the stage gets bigger, or the lights get That's brighter. when he like ups his game. Exactly. Right? Jack Hughes and the arrogance that he, but like in a good way, in a good way though, the arrogance that he has, that he is just going to- well, He wants that. to win so badly. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like he, he wants to win so badly. And I think that, you know, we have such a negative connotation around the word arrogance, but it's not like, especially when you're an athlete, like- that I would imagine, mean, I'm no athlete, but like, I imagine that's what takes you to the next level, right? And that's so, what makes you great. That's what makes you great. And that's what you want in players. So if that means being a little arrogant, who cares? Because I don't actually consider it a bad thing. I really don't. And it does frustrate me when I do hear those things, you know, especially about someone like Jack. I'm like, yeah, but He's incredibly talented and he's a 40 goal scorer at 21 years old. What did you accomplish? (laughs) (laughs) That's sort of what it feels like sometimes. Then you have someone like Andre Palat, who I mentioned before. I mean, talk about a guy who raises his game in the big moment. That's why he's here. And that's what he did for Tampa. I mean, I I wanted to tell him, but I didn't because like, I don't want to be all weird, but like he single-handedly won me like a playoff pool just by (laughs) performance like two years ago so that's the really yeah but i i'm glad you feel the same way about the word arrogance because i think that's what makes you know athletes successful yeah no let's 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 stick with andre palat there for a sec because i when they got him i i loved that for the devils like i really really did because i just 
if at least for, for as long as I've been covering the league, the lightning were the cream of the crop, you know, just the team that everybody was modeling, you know, their path off of looking at, you know, the struggles that they went to, to then getting to become back-to-back Stanley cup champions. What, what has Andre Pollock brought to the team on and off the ice? It's, it's interesting because he did miss a giant chunk of the season when he had his groin surgery right at the beginning. And I imagine for someone who's changing teams for the first time after having been with the team for 10 years, that integration process can be hard enough as it is just sort of adapting to your new surroundings, but then you're injured and not part of the everyday activity, but he's just been like, he's quiet. He's quiet and he does his thing and he drags people into the fight. And I think what makes him such a versatile guy for this team is especially like, let's say if he's playing with Jack, which he doesn't all the time, but he certainly has, he's the guy that's going to create that space and do the dirty work and really be responsible defensively just in case Jack isn't right. Because Jack is so, you know, centered on what he's doing, no pun intended. So I think that's a huge asset. And the guy's just like, anytime you talk about him or like ask about him, they just say, he's a winner. He's a winner. He's done it. He knows what it takes. And yes, it's cliche, but you know, in cliches, there can also be truth. And recently when he played the lightning for the first time, we had this back-to-back where we played them three times in six days. I had a chance to go talk to Steven Stamkos, Victor Hedman and Braden Point, who all, you know, seen his trajectory And he said, and they all said, like, if he's not going to be on our team, which we wish he still was, that is the perfect person to help bring the New Jersey Devils and what they're doing to the next level, because that they all said he is a warrior. And one of the things that Lindy Ruff said, which I had never heard a coach say this before, when we went back to Tampa, they had this incredible video, like scoreboard video, and absolutely everyone stopped to watch it on both bench and both coaches. You know, that doesn't always happen. And post game, he said to me, I want to go back and watch that video again. And I want our players to watch that video again to really understand if they don't already, which they do, um, who we have as a player in our locker room. I have like goosebumps saying it. It's weird. I think that that's really significant. I really do. 100%. I, I like to look at it like everybody looked at that Tampa team. And everybody just wanted to pluck a little piece of it. Like the Rangers went and got Barkley Goudreau, locked him up for six years, you know? That's what they did. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. It's like all these little pieces. And uh, to me, like, I mean, it's it can't be boiled down strictly to this, but when I see Tampa having the struggles that they've had this year because we've expected so much from them year There had to be a drop-off at some point. (laughs) Yeah, there has to be a drop-off at some point. And I think part of that is losing players like Pally, I really, really do. Selfishly, I think that that's the reason. <laughs> 100%. No, I really I couldn't agree more. Um, all right. So I guess last question for me. Who is your player to watch from the Devils in the first round? Oh, gosh. Um, Pick one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's a hard one because there's so many options. And what's so unique about this team, maybe unique's not the right word, but what's so great about this team is, everyone has really bought into like what their roles are. Right. And like really try and play them to a T I would say Dougie Hamilton, I, you know, like what he's done this year is uh, like incredible when it comes to, he's put himself in the devil's record books within two years of being with the franchise and, you know, 19 goals, 
um, career goals, points, assists, like across the board. And I'm really interested to see what he becomes in the postseason. And then on that same level, because I'm not going to play by your rules and I'm going to pick two people. <laughs> I mean, to me, the obvious one is Jack. What Jack going to do? That's for me too. I just can't wait to see him on that stage in that element on that atmosphere. Yeah. It's, but what is so interesting to me about what we're about to experience is how many people have said like, Oh, well Jack's small and you know, you can bump him off the puck and he is a smaller guy, but he's one of the best skaters in the league that he can, you know, dodge a lot of those. So I'm really interested in seeing how he excels in the playoff environment and makes that happen for himself because he's such a driven kid. So I I pick two players, but <laughs> I'm defying your rules and picking yeah, two players. Exactly. <laughs> are you you ready, man, to duke this out? Like, are we gonna throw hands here in the first round? I mean, it's on. Let's do this thing. I mean, look, like the exciting part is that we all get to hang out together, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the best part about it. But you know, and I, sleep in our own beds, just like the players. <laughs> that is like the ultimate best part about it is who look whoever comes out of this series, and I'm you know, obviously I hope it's New Jersey, but whoever comes out of this series, I truly believe will have a massive advantage without that travel element to it. I mean, you know, Molly, you're, you know, like you travel a lot. I travel a lot. Yeah, yeah. And like we travel differently because like you have the stress of like traveling commercial, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm incredibly fortunate that I don't have to deal with that. But we both understand like how exhausting it is. I think that that's something that people don't. They don't. No idea. They don't no idea. Understand. And there's like a lot of times where I'm just like, I don't even have to like do anything tonight. You know, like I have to sit at a computer and watch and write. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine what it's like to actually be playing a 60 minute hockey game? 100%. I feel like I say it to the guys all the time. I'm like, I'm tired just watching you guys. <laughs> I don't know how you're doing it because I'm exhausted just sitting here watching you. <laughs> I say it all the time too. So you're definitely not alone on that <laughs> one. But yeah, it's, it's like, it's really a real thing. So I think that that's going to be, again, whoever comes out of this series, like the way things are panning out, like there's going to be a lot of travel for a lot of first round players or first round teams, except for what looks like a collision course between the devils and Rangers. So I think it's going to be an added asset, not just for the players, but whether it's you or me. And Newark airport is a dump. Let's be real. I mean, flying into there, the video is just from afar of me seeing, I'm like, I don't want to have to travel there. So Molly, is that where you travel out of Molly or do you do? I used to, when I lived in, when I lived in Jersey, I, I was a big Newark goer, but now, now I'm a LaGuardia gal, but don't, don't none of that shade for Newark. Newark is fine. Newark I got a rep is... New York. I got a Jersey girl and a Jersey Devils girl here. I got to show show up for New York here. So I will say this: like I think what could be really interesting to sort of see from people who aren't local is experiencing Prudential Center and the way it's been built up. I mean, gotten such a bad rap. I really no, it really like I, that's how I felt when I moved. I was like, oh okay. But now living here and it's like there are restaurants, there's a park across the street, there's 
this beautiful um, condo building going on. Like, I don't know. I just like, I want to see people experience Newark because I think it gets a really bad rap. And I, I sense a slight smidge of bias there. Just, just a smidge. Just, totally. just a little bit. But, uh, you, but, you know, <laughs> come, and, come see Newark. With yeah, come, come explore. You, you won't be disappointed. <laughs> I, I will take you to some good eating spots. Okay. Deal. Deal. They do exist there. Deal. I'll hold you to that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Newark tour guide, Amanda Stein. You catch her NJD.TV with the Devils. Amanda C. Stein on Twitter. Amanda, looking forward to uh, hopefully seeing you in that first round of the playoffs. Thanks for coming on up in the blue seats. Guys, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. And yes, like I said, it's probably a collision course between Devils and Rangers. So this is going to be wild. Tonight should be even crazier just to like see how these two teams match up against each other, having been so, you know, changed since the last time they've played. You know, listen, MSG is an amazing place to play. I think it's uh, a big advantage to have home ice. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Alrighty, Molly. Great stuff there from Amanda Stein. That wraps up episode 119 of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Andrew Hartz and the intern Josh Crawford for helping me produce this show. Catch up on all old episodes, subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, wherever you get podcasts. Just search for Up in the Blue Seats. And if you want to watch the show and see our pretty faces, you can watch on the New York Post Sports YouTube page. Click that thumbs up button comment below do you want home ice are you excited let us know your thoughts on the blue shirts by commenting on the video below go to that playlist up in the blue seats and follow us on twitter at molly walker that's two e's two r's and at jake brown radio carpool karaoke can you please film like is larry playing rolling stones and you're playing olivia rodrigo what's the playlist on the ride to new jersey consists of molly listen larry's in the driver's seat so larry gets precedence over over what we're listening in the car it's a it's a lot of you know like 60s on six serious radio 60s on six has some bangers I, you know that's not a bad one it's all right you know i'll i'll, I'll take it the company is, is what matters and, and we always have a good time on our road well people talk about that dynamic of like it's adorable you and larry like the wisdom that he brings to you like you must have learned so much you know falling under his wing these last couple of years i imagine about hockey and about life right oh yeah i try to act like a like a sponge when i'm around larry and just try to absorb everything that he's ever told me um obviously he's one of the best to ever do it in the business and i consider myself to be extremely lucky to get to learn from him well maybe after the game get some matzo ball soup from mama walker uh stop at the old home in jersey and uh enjoy the game it's gonna be a great atmosphere and hopefully we get it for the play 
playoffs, seven games, stay local, no flights for you. Life would be good. Life would be grand. We'll be back next week for another episode. Just a couple more left until we take you to playoff hockey. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Up in the Blue Seats. Enjoy the game in Jersey, and we'll talk to you next week.